you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, it's been a great day already. Praise the Lord. The wonderful sounds of boys and girls. It'll be 11 years ago this coming March when I was speeding through Norwood during the middle of the night. And I mean really speeding. I mean like really speeding through Norwood. And if you're from around here, you know that's not something that we would highly recommend. You see, Danielle was in labor with our third son, Graham. And I think her contractions were about three minutes apart. And I told her that if the police stopped us, you better make sure the police knew that her contractions were three minutes apart. But turns out that never happened. I don't know where the police were that evening. I don't know. We never got stopped. We went on. We made it to the hospital there in Albemarle. And Graham was born a little bit later that day. And he entered the world on Good Friday. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, at Easter time, our choir, they do, uh, it's an abbreviated program compared to Christmas, but they do an abbreviated program for Easter. And they had their final practice that Wednesday night, and Danielle had made the comment that she says, I think we're good to go. I'm going to be here. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, Little did we know that that was not the case, and she was not here. Uh, To be honest, we were unprepared. Uh, We hadn't even finished packing her bag. We were just getting ready to pack the bag because he came uh, earlier than we expected. But, you know, that really doesn't matter if you're prepared or not. When the baby's ready to come... The baby comes. Uh, It was a little stressful, to say the least, looking back on it. But in all honesty, we look back on it now and we just laugh about it. Things don't always go as planned, especially when it comes to the birth of a baby. And that statement would certainly be true when it came to the baby that was born so long ago, that very first Christmas, the Lord Jesus. Don't misunderstand Jesus came exactly as planned. It was prophesied. It was predicted. Everything happened exactly as God wanted it to happen. I'm talking about Mary and Joseph's plan. Uh, Their plan was not. uh, It didn't work out the way they thought it was going to. Uh, Their whole life had been turned upside down. And now they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem while Mary was very pregnant. And this reminds us of a great truth that we need to understand, beloved, I think many of us believe that when you're in the center of God's will, when you're doing exactly what God told you to do, what God desires for you to do, and you follow his path as he's laid it out, that things will go smoothly for you. I mean, I think some Christians really believe that. I know when I was a much younger Christian, I believed that too. If I just follow God's plan and follow God's path, things are going to go very smoothly. And then we live a little bit and find out that's not the case. In fact... Uh, You may have seen a cartoon, uh, if I can get this to work today, it's not working. There we go. Your plan versus God's plan. I don't know if you've ever seen that little meme before. There's our plan at the top. And our plan, as you see, is smooth. It's just slightly uphill, but it's pretty easy. And then at the bottom, they've drawn out uh, a representation of maybe God's plan. And it looks like there's a lot of obstacles a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges. And uh, in reality, that is the case many, many times. We sometimes forget that God is not just interested in us arriving at the end destination. He's interested also in developing us 
and maturing us along the way. And it's so interesting to consider the hurdles and the obstacles that Joseph and Mary faced as they followed God's plan. All of this was far from easy. So let's go back and read some of the most familiar words in the Scripture. Um, Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin reading there at verse number 1 and read down through verse number 7. They don't close it up because we're going to stay there. We're going to continue reading a little bit later. But uh, if you were brought up in church, these are very familiar words. I think those kind of words get kind of ingrained in you. Uh, as you go throughout the years, as you hear them at Christmas time, as you participate in Christmas programs. And then I know we have some that maybe these words are new to you, where they're glorious words. But let's read them. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let's be honest, if we were given the job to write the script of the arrival, the birth of the God-man, Messiah, God in the flesh, we would have done things differently. The story that we just read is, to be honest, for a lot of us, much too lowly, much too humble, much too dusty and dirty for our liking. We make better plans for the, the arrival of our own children and we take great strides and great effort. We extend a lot of effort to make sure things are right for our children and grandchildren and their arrival. But this is not just any baby. This is the God-man, perfect God, robed in flesh. Perfectly God, perfect man joined together. But all this actually was done perfectly. God never makes a mistake. And he chose to send the Lord Jesus in a very humble and lowly fashion. He chose to send the Lord Jesus to identify with the poor and the outcast and the needy. He chose some very modest means here. And in thinking about the difficulties, we notice several things that Mary and Joseph dealt with here. First of all, we know that uh, they had a very long journey. One scholar said that to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, um, that's about 90 miles. Uh, that's about a three-day trip. Now, think about it. Um, add to the fact that it's a 90-mile trip. It's, it's very long, maybe at least three days. Mary is very pregnant. Uh, they're not flying first class on American Airlines. They're traveling slow and steady, step by step. Perhaps she rode on a donkey like we have in every Christmas program. We're not told all the details. But this was a very difficult trip, to say the least. 90 miles, at least three days. Add to that the fact that they were not going on vacation. They were not going on vacation. This was not a trip to Disney World. Um, this was not even really a trip for fun. They were going to be registered. And we understand they were going for this census, if you will. And the scholars tell us that this census, this registration, was for the reason for you to be able to pay your taxes. Now, paying taxes is bad enough. And 
I don't have to remind all of us, Dua, that it'll be here before we know it. But imagine having to travel on a six-day round trip to pay your taxes. And it's bad enough you have to ride down to Wakesboro and stand in line there. But imagine you've got to make a 90-mile trip uh, one way and a 90-mile trip back home. Uh, one scholar uh, we read here talks about the fact that it was for tax purposes. By the way, speaking of taxes, those who follow sports, you may have seen that the baseball player Shohei Otani is moving uh, to the Dodgers. And he signed a 10-year deal, and it's the largest deal ever in sports history. It's 10 years for $700 million. Now, the interesting thing, can you imagine $700 million? But the sad thing is that after California taxes, he's only going to bring home $58. So it's kind of a, <laughs> a sad thing for him. You know, the more you make, the more they take. But nobody likes paying taxes, and, but that's what this was all about, this census, this registration for paying taxes. Add to that another difficulty, the fact that they were met with a no-vacancy sign. And by the way, Thank you, uh, children, there today. I've got a, an illustration here. No vacancy. It says that there was no room for them in the inn. Now, one scholar said the inn was most likely a reception room in a private home or a space at a public shelter, not a large building with several individual rooms. So don't get in your mind there at the Motel 6 or the Holiday Inn. It would have been maybe a larger room, a public space. But regardless of what exactly it was, there was no room for them. Now think about this, Mary is carrying the Messiah, not just any baby, but the God-man, God in the flesh, and there's no room for him. And can I just remind you that they are in the center of God's will, they're doing exactly what God told them to do, and they're favored and blessed in the midst of all this, and yet they're met really with a no vacancy sign, and then add to that another difficulty, and it's this, uh, they had a stable, I apologize, but when I'm sitting down, this doesn't work as well. They had a stable or a cave, some think it was a stable, some think it was a cave, as a birthing room. Now, can you imagine giving birth in a stable? Um, we know it was likely a place for keeping animals because they laid him in a manger, and a manger was a feeding trough for animals. Just that thought alone is hard to imagine for me. And remember now, we're calling this some not-so-silent nights. As I thought about it, was Jesus born perhaps to the lowing of cattle and the braying of donkeys? This is how God chose to step into our world, to robe himself in flesh. We would have chosen a different path. We would have had a different arrangements. But this was the means that he chose. And all of this was not an accident. All of this was playing out exactly as God intended. Mary and Joseph, remember, they were in the center of God's will, doing exactly what God told them to do, even blessed and favored by God, and yet there's one obstacle after another, after another, after another. 
In fact, we know this was God's will because I mentioned earlier that Jesus was born exactly as God desired for him to. In fact, God told some 700 years before through his prophet Micah that Jesus would be born. We read it earlier before one of the hymns, Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. 700 years before, he said he'll be born in Bethlehem. And so this census then was not just a mere hindrance. It wasn't just an inconvenience. It wasn't even something that just, you know, they came up with and said we need another census. This is God superintending his will, working out his plan to get Joseph and Mary exactly where they needed to be, when they needed to be there. It's amazing. To be honest, there's a lot about that first Christmas that we're not for certain about. We, we don't know for certain exactly when Jesus was born. We don't know for certain exactly where he was born. We know it was Bethlehem, but we don't know exactly where in Bethlehem. It was a, ca a cave or a stable or whatever. And, and we're not even told, we don't even know exactly who all was there when he was born. There's a lot of things we don't know, but listen, what we do know is he was born. And that changes everything. He was born. He came and robed himself in flesh. We know that behind all these difficulties that Joseph and Mary were facing, God was working out his will and his plan. And here's what I want you to hold on to today. The same is true in your life, child of God. Because God is sovereign and God orchestrates things according to his providence. And God is working out his plan in your life. And while there's a lot that we don't know about the birth of Jesus, we do know how we should respond to it. In fact, we're told here later in this same chapter, I ask you to keep Luke 2 open, because the shepherds show us how we should respond to the birth of Jesus. Now, it's interesting that God chose to announce to the shepherds. I don't know what you know about the shepherds back then, but, you know, they were the first recipients here of this good news. And the scholars tell us that the shepherds were considered social outcasts. They had a bad reputation. They were the type of people that you would think that the birth of a king would be announced to. But look at what it says beginning there in uh, chapter 2, verse 8. We'll read down through verse 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I mean, can you imagine being out there and all of a sudden this great light, angelic beings? This is, this is amazing. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, including us. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Apparently that's not something that happened very often. That's the sign. You're going to find a newborn baby in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger in an animal's food trough. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now we notice the response when we get to verse 15, the first response. And we notice it's what we should do as well. These shepherds, they responded positively to the message. Notice verse 15 and 16. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They heard about the message of the Savior and they responded positively. They responded in a positive way. You know, as we share the story of the Savior... Everyone responds in one way or another. There is no non-response. You either accept the message or you reject the message. There's not really an in-between here. When you hear the message of the Savior, how have you responded? Have you accepted the Savior? Have you responded in a positive fashion? Have you recognized that He came, He was born perfectly God, perfect man, lived a sinless life, gave his life on a cross for you because of our sin. We needed a Savior, a Rescuer. This good news we're reading about here. And you say, well, how do you respond in a positive way? You repent of your sin. You turn from your sin and you trust Him alone to save you from your sin. That's responding in a positive way. These shepherds, when they heard the message of the Savior who was born, they responded in a positive way. They said, let's go, let's see. They believed what they were told. And they went and they saw Him. And they found them. And so I just want to ask you, have you responded in a positive way to the Savior? He came to save us from our sin, but we must personally trust Him. And you must do that yourself. You must turn to Christ alone. There's no non-response. You either accept Him or you reject Him. These shepherds, they showed us how to do it. They responded positively to the message. Secondly, verses 17 and 18 lay out something else that they did, they did here that we ought to do. They shared the message with others. They shared the message with others. Look at verse number 17 and 18. Now when they had seen Him, they came and saw baby Jesus. When they'd seen Him... They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The the message was too good not to share. In a real sense, I guess we could say that the shepherds were some of the early missionaries because they went out from there and they told everybody they came in contact with. And imagine hearing this message. You see a bunch of shepherds and you'll never believe what happened. Tonight we were there and an angel came and told us this news and then a heavenly host of angels and then we went and there he was. And they shared. And we noticed the response from many who heard it. It says they marveled at that. This message was too good not to share. Now what about us? Those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus, are we sharing the message? Are we sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves? That's our task. That's what we're supposed to do. One of the reasons that God has brought us into His family is to bring honor and glory to Him and to share with others how they also can be brought into the family and bring honor and glory to Him. We're to be missionaries. 
the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe and do all that Jesus commanded. And so we, we, we reach them, we baptize them, we teach them, we equip them, we send them out, and you see the gospel message flows. The shepherds didn't do what a lot of us do. We come to church and we hear the message. Then we go home and eat and take a nap and never tell anybody. That's not what they did. They shared the message. Can I just encourage you? You know, we say, well, how do you reach people for Christ? You have a circle of influence. You have people that you're around all the time. And those are people that need Jesus. If they don't know Him, they need Jesus. And, and you live Jesus before them. And as opportunities arise and as God leads you, you open your mouth and you share Jesus with them. That's how it works. And that does not require, listen, I'm all for training. We've done all sorts of training here. We've done training in gospel presentations. We've done different ones through the years. We've done all sorts of things. But really, if you know enough that you were able to be saved, you know enough to share with somebody else. You say, well, what if they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? Do you know what you do? You say, I don't know. But I'll look into that and get back with you. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to understand it all. We're just to share the message. I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. We walk by faith at times and not by sight. But we know that we're sinners. We know that our sin separates from the Holy God. We know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. We know He lived a sinless life. We know He gave His life on the cross. We know He was buried. We know He rose again. And the Bible says if we'll turn from our sin and trust Him, He'll save us. It's just that simple. And we're supposed to be sharing that message. And there's people in your life that you need to share it with. There's something else the shepherds did here. They responded in a positive manner. They shared the message with others. And then thirdly, I want you to notice they praised God for the message. Verse number 20. Then the shepherds returned. We could spend a while on that, by the way. Their life was forever changed, but then they went back to shepherding. But they were never the same shepherds. Then the shepherds returned, and notice what they did. Glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When's the last time you stopped and you just thanked the Lord for Jesus? You just thanked the Lord for salvation? You just thanked the Lord that He loves you? And that Jesus died for you? shed His blood for you. I mean, I think this should be the main part of our Christmas celebration. Now, I know we just came through Thanksgiving, but I think one of the main parts of our Christmas celebration should be thanking the Lord for Jesus. To praise Him and glorify Him for all that we've seen and heard and has been told to us. To thank Him for coming to save us from our sin. To come in such a humble fashion. Now we look at that from a human standpoint. You know, he was 
born in a stable and laid in an uh, animal trough. What, see, that's not really the, the humble part when you really think about it. This is God Almighty stepping down from the glory of heaven, wrapping himself in humanity and flesh and living as God in the flesh. I mean, just think about it. Just the fact that he submitted to going through the whole gestation period. God! In the womb of a girl that he created. The, the, the humility, the, the example is just, it's just awe-inspiring. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming for us. Just one more verse. We're almost out of time. We see the shepherds teach us, but Mary also teaches us. Mary's an awesome young lady, by the way. People tend to go one of two extremes with Mary. Some people ignore her altogether. Some people go the opposite and almost worship her or do worship her. Both of those are wrong. There, there's a happy medium there. We realize that Mary was not sinless. She was a girl. She was a young lady. But God favored her. God blessed her. God used her. And she was faithful. And we can learn a lot from Mary. And we learn a very important lesson here. Look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let me read it to you in the NLT. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, listen, and thought about them often. We need to do that. During this Christmas season, we need to think about Jesus a lot. And that's hard to do, really. Because we're so busy. And we're so distracted. And not bad things. I mean, it's not like you're out, you know, doing drugs at night, hopefully. But, you know, with the parties and the celebrations and the gifts and the wrappings and the cooking and the cleaning and the family and, and the programs at church. But let's don't miss the main thing in the midst of celebrating. You know, it's been said before, and it, it is, it's a very good illustration. You know, imagine having a birthday party, and, but you totally ignore the person you're celebrating. So that's what we often do at Christmas time. We, we bought gifts for ourselves. <laughs> we're going to eat a good meal. We're going to do all these things. But we forget about the one we're celebrating. Mary, she stopped and thought about these things. Really, we could summarize the passage today with three P's. There's problems, there's praise, and there's pondering. I hope that's the case in our life as well. We, we experience that, don't we? We have problems. Everybody in here has a problem. If you don't have a problem, we'd like for you to speak next Sunday and tell us how not to have a problem, all right? You just take over next Sunday. I'll fill in the front row of my notebook. And I want to hear how you have no problems in life. Everybody has problems. Mary and Joseph had problems. If that doesn't humanize them, I don't know what to think about it. They had issues. They had problems. We have problems. And yet we find that this passage is filled with praise. And then it's also pondering and thinking about the Lord Jesus. Those are three good things for us to do. 
to recognize the problems that God is still in charge of our life. He's working on all things for our good and His glory to spend time praising Him and to spend time pondering the goodness of God in sending Jesus. So I want to encourage you to just saying this today before we close up shop and sing. Let's do what the shepherds did. Let's do what Mary did. Let's respond positively to the message. Let's share the message with others. Let's praise God for the message. And let's think about the message. And make sure that we are truly focused on the reason for the season. The Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for this familiar passage of Scripture. I pray that you'll work in hearts and lives. If anybody here does not know you, I pray today will be the day where they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Help us to be sharing this message. Help us to be worshipful and praising you for the message. And help us to take time to think about, to meditate, to ponder on the good news that we see played out here and in the life of the Lord Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is that one that we sang with the children. We sang just a verse of it. It's 206, Silent Night. The altar's open. By the way, the good news is, is whenever you come to the altar, you'll never find a sign like that. There's always room. There's always room. You come as God leads you today. 206, Silent Night. Let's stand.